listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. Welcome to the Making Data Simple podcast, folks. Uh, if it's your first time, it's about time you got here. And if you're back, thank you. We greatly appreciate it. Today, I have a guest by the name of Tom Tolley. And uh, Tom is a, a blogger, an investor, advisor to startups. I know he writes in Forbes about AI frequently, so he's perfect for this podcast. We'll probably get into a little bit of everything. But uh, I guess I'll just start out and say, welcome, Tom. I appreciate you being here. Thanks very much for having me. <laughs> so would you mind describing or introducing yourself? You could certainly do it better than, than me, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, that pretty much, you know, describes what I do. Uh, you know, do a little this, a little that. Uh, in terms of my background in terms of technology, uh, I've, I've been coding since I was a kid back in the 1980s and started a company while I was in college in the e-learning category even before the internet existed and we went to the internet. Um, and then I invested in different companies. Uh, one was JFAX, which is now J2 Global, uh, Green Dot, and a variety of other companies early on. Uh, so I'm you know, have a lot of background when it comes to technology, early stage technology, how to build it, how to get money for it, and those types of things. And then the writing, I've done that early on as well. Uh, for Forbes, I've written for Forbes uh, since the mid 90s, I think since they had their dot com site in the mid 90s and uh, covered mostly technology and uh, companies uh, in the technology space. Uh, and then also uh, I've written some books uh, and then the, the latest one, which will come out in uh, mid August is called AI basics. And uh, it, it's for non technical people, which is most people in the world. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, it, it covers all the main topics that, uh, you know, people that may be building AI projects or involved in AI projects and they just, they don't know Python or they don't know TensorFlow. This would be the book for them. Uh, so it covers the topics of, you know, on, on, a, on a very high level, but also with specific advice. And that's what I also do with my Forbes articles. Uh, I write about uh, you know, topics that are relevant to people in the real world, uh, not things that uh, for academics. So that's a little bit about my background. So how, how do you, you I'm going to go ahead and jump into this question. A lot of times I end with uh, some personal questions, but how do you end up in there? I mean, that's a pretty freaking good gig. I would say you're, you're blogging. It sounds like you're doing what you want to do. Uh, I, we haven't even got to the investor part. You've got yeah. a couple of different books, by the way. Um, I know of you got how to create the next Facebook out there. Yeah. Uh, well, let me give you the full title, how to create the next Facebook, seeing your startup through from idea to IPO. You've got the complete M and a handbook. There's probably others that I'm missing. Yeah, yeah, I've uh, definitely been very blessed. Uh, my uh, it all starts with my dad, uh, who when I was a kid bought me a computer, put it on my desk, and left my room. And that was <laughs> that was the most important part. He left your room. He left the room. He didn't tell me what to do. He just said, "Here it is. Do what you want." And so for a couple of days, I didn't know what to do. 
And then uh, I thought maybe I should do something. And then I did. And, uh, and it's, it's been, it's been that way ever since. So I think it's a combination of having a, a family that's really supported someone who just is not into a nine to five job situation and, uh, likes to do what he wants to do and uh, allow that and, uh, provide me some tools to, to do what I want to do. And it, it's helped me a great deal. And I also think luck has a lot to do with it. You know, uh, I think Woody Allen says success is, uh, half the success is just showing up, um, you know, just being there. Um, and, uh, you know, I think another piece of luck too is, you know, I had the benefit of early on being part of the internet revolution and, uh, it was hard not to be successful in those days. Um, uh, now it was easy not to be successful if you hold on, you know, held on a little too long, but, uh, for the most part, uh, I think it's just, uh, you know, I, I owe a lot to my, to my father. I think he is. And my mom, I think, uh, did all start there. So good old dad and mom for buying the computer. Can I ask you what computer it was? Atari 400. <laughs> With a cassette. Well, you got to start someplace. Perfect. Right. 16, 16 kilobits of uh, RAM, if I remember right. Oh. Yeah. And what, what did you do with that Atari 400? Um, I learned basic. I wanted to, there weren't a lot of programs then. And then there was a, there was a, a movie called uh, War Games that yes, I discussed. <laughs> and I thought, yeah. how can I create a program that shoots ICBMs at Russia? I didn't really like that. <laughs> how, how, how did that end up? It was tough. It was tough, but it actually, it, it, uh, they were flying. They were fine. And uh, I made little explosions. So it was fun. It was fun. So I created my own software. And the funny thing is I, I started, in those days they had uh, magazines where you would, the code would be in the magazines. I mean, and, and they, may, they may even send a, a sell it, come with a cassette or at, at some point a diskette. Um, so I started creating these programs and I started reading these magazines and I started then submitting these to these magazines and they started publishing them. Um, Did you have any social life, man? (laughs) (laughs) You know, in those days, they didn't know how old you were or where you're from. You know, they just, all they cared about was the work and the most part did. That's fantastic. So uh, you also, you know, you you say you're an advisor to startups on Mm -hmm. a lot of different boards or? Yeah, I'm actually at one right now. I'm in the boardroom right now of a company. Oh, really? <laughs> but no, there aren't people around here. Uh, but uh, we actually are having a, a review right now today. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm as an investor. Sometimes I I try not to be on boards because there's you know sometimes liability issues with that. Uh, so maybe more at, at a board of advisors. Uh, right. The, that's uh, yeah. So I, I try to stay in the game a little bit. Uh, I don't. I think I'm a little too old to, to start anything ever again. I don't know if I want to go do that again, unless I really have a great idea. And it's hard to come up with those nowadays because there's so many ideas out there, so many people pursuing them. Um, mm-hmm. But it's fun to be part of other people that are doing it. So, and then you you hit on the last point, which is well, I don't know what the last point, but you hit on investor. Mm-hmm. So you spend a lot of your time investing in startups, or is investing you know simply in market real estate? I mean, I presume startups is a a big piece of your portfolio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with these startups, uh, but uh, I've all been a long time investor in the stock market as well. Uh, it's been a good ride the last ten years. So I can't. Yeah, the last ten years have been good. 
Yeah. Although I've been, I, I honestly, I've been waiting for the reset to happen for probably the last two and a half, maybe three years now. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, yeah. Am I the only one? I think I'm the only well, one because I've pulled back. Now I'm thinking I'm stupid. Yeah, there's a lot of people that left in 2009 haven't come back. Well, that's, yeah. I, I came back, I, I've been in it longer than that, but the last couple of years I've been like, I, this, I can't, you know, I, you know, look, I, I don't want to get us in the weeds here, but I just, when I do a, a, the, the cash flow analysis, yeah. um, I just can't find anything that's, you know, no, you can't find anything on sale, but it's hard right. to find anything worth uh, the, 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 the price that it's at. I, I, mm -hmm. I don't know. You're, you're a better investor than me. That's why you're, you're an investor and I'm not. Well, it's a, uh... Patience is a virtue with investing. I do a lot with IPOs, and usually if you wait long enough, that the stock price will come down. Um, um, so, and, I, and it's not just technology. Biotechnology is another area I focus on, and probably have had more success in biotechnology than regular technology. Well, I watch in, I watch Buffett a lot, and he's still, you know, in tons of cash. Of course, he's yeah. got the cash, but he's still in tons of cash. He's waiting for something. Yeah, he can wait. Although he is in his late eighties, but he may last forever. Yeah. yeah. Well, Charlie Munger was like ninety four, ninety five, <laughs> something like that. I don't. Know. Anyway, we're off topic. <laughs> but I would like some investment advice. I need some. You know, that that's what we need to hook up on. No. So, uh, look, I know you. How do you? Uh, so, in all of this, how did you, you become an AI expert? Because I know you write a lot about AI. If I go out to Forbes, yeah. there's there's at least. You know, you got robots plus AI. Mm. Boring is beautiful. Three yeah. ways to transform the supply chain with AI. I'd like to talk a little bit about all that, but how do you how do you become that expert in AI that you are today? And then you're writing the book of AI ba basics. But yeah. by the way, I wish it was available now. I, I could give that to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, well, it, you know, you when you look at my articles in Forbes, if you look at a topic, that was probably a chapter I was writing about at the time. Uh, I've uh, the benefit of writing for Forbes is I can talk to a lot of smart people, and they can guide me into the right direction uh, where to focus on. I just I can't do that all on my own, um, so I can talk to you know I can usually if I, if I say I'm from Forbes and I want to write about your company, they usually get back to me, and so I can talk to the people that uh, can provide this great information. That is a huge help for me about learning because you can go down so many rabbit holes with AI. There's just so much to it, and you can waste a lot of time. Um, so I think that's that's huge. Now, with AI, I've kind of babbled in AI for years, but AI never really did anything. It was, you know, mostly about movies and science fiction, and you'd hear a little bit here and there about AI, and it just it just didn't wasn't moved to commercialization um, until the last few years. And then at that point, I that's when I really got interested in, in it and uh, started writing more about it for Forbes.com. As for the book, the what I found is I, I said, well, I'd be interested in you know reading a good book on this, but they were really two buckets. There's the technical bucket of, you know, I need to know Python, I need to know TensorFlow, I need to code. No people don't need to do that or know that. And then there's the other bucket of books about robots are going to take over the world. <laughs> And I thought, where's something in the middle for people that want to understand this um, and, and the key concepts without getting into the weeds and what's important? And what I've also found, too, I mean, I've, I've talked to people at KPMG and people you would think that would know a lot about AI, 
and they have a hard time differentiating between all these concepts. I think part of it is the media, myself, the media that, you know, these terms get thrown around and it gets confusing for people. And then uh, what's, what's ironic is people you would think that would know who actually don't know. Um, so that's the... Uh, yeah, so no, I think that's a common, I mean, that it's a, everybody is flocking to AI. Um, and we've talked about this before in the podcast, but it's like, they don't even have a business problem. They just know they need to go to AI and they're like, yeah. okay, what do I do? You know, kind of it, it's, it's pervasive. So yeah. I, I agree with you. AI is probably overused. That's one of the reasons, quite honestly, there's so much rhetoric out there. One of the things we do here at IBM is we say, one of our pitch in our presentation is we say, Hey, it's not magic. And the reason we say it's not magic is because it's starting to get that feel from the media because AI is going to, to your point, either conquer the world and take over the world or can solve all your problems and everybody's got to do it. If you're not doing it, you're missing out. And so we've got to just level set and give some objectivity. But speaking of, with AI being a moving target, what's your definition of AI and uh, where is it at and where do you think it's evolving towards? Right. I, I think there's different ways of looking at it. Uh, one, you can have a simple definition. You can just say, it's a computer that can learn and think, um, but that doesn't tell you too much. I, uh, I would go a little deeper. You know, one is there's really, if you can divide AI into different categories, one is strong AI and then there's weak AI. Strong AI is 2001 Space Odyssey. It doesn't exist today. So you can talk, computers can talk to you, computers can close the door in your ship and kill you. You know, that's, that's strong AI. I mean, that's, computers can't talk. You know, they, they can respond, they can take some commands, they can interpret, they can do some interesting things, but it's not, we're not as, as strong AI. It's probably take years for that. Uh, weak AI is where we're at today, and that is it's focused on specific use cases. Um, you know, it, it could be uh, analyzing a radiology x-ray. To, to see if someone has cancer, an example. Um, but, or it could be playing a game, play a game and go. We've seen this, it's miraculous, you know, where they, they beat the world champion. But we can't see that go software start learning Shakespeare. No, it, <laughs> it's not, that's more, that's transfer learning. It's, it's, it'll learn something, you know, we, are, we humans are amazing. We can learn something in one area and apply it to something else. AI, that would be strong AI. If we could get to that point, it's, it's amazing. Um, now there's the other thing, there's something called the Turing test, where uh, he's, uh, back in the 1950s, Alan Turing, who's the, considered the father of computer science, even before there was really computers, he was thinking about computers and artificial intelligence. He said that artificial intelligence is when you talk to someone whether it be a computer, and you can't differentiate that that person is a computer. Um, so they'll, they'll have a, a thing where they'll have a computer and they'll have a person, you're talking to both and you just can't figure out which is which. If you can do that and talk to someone for an hour that way, that's probably AI. Wozniak, I think, even has a better, uh, Stephen Wozniak, who's co-founder of Apple, I think he has an even better definition. It's called the coffee test. If a, if a robot can go into a stranger's home and brew a cup of coffee, we've reached strong AI. <laughs> Think about it. it. Sounds pretty simple. Extremely complex for a computer to do. 
I, you know, I, I actually had the chance to meet Wozniak, uh, brilliant guy. So let me ask you this then. Uh, I got several questions on what you just said. So strong AI doesn't exist today. Got it. We can't brew coffee or we can't have a robot can. company to brew coffee. Yeah. But so when will we have that? With all your study and you know, what are we looking at? How many years away are we? Are we five years, twenty years? You know, predicting technology. I, I think it was the chairman of IBM in the fifties said maybe the world only needs six computers. Uh, predicting technology is a is a hazardous uh, is, is hazardous. Uh, I don't know. I, I actually I have no clue. I do think we'll get there. Um, a strong AI. I don't think it will be in the next maybe 10 years, but maybe 15, 20 years. I mean, total guess on my part, just a feel for it. But there are, you know, there's all these breakthroughs that happen and new technologies. You know, what's really driving AI or has been driving driving AI for the last 10 years is this combination of GPUs, very sophisticated, um, you know, processors, cloud computing, you know, the um, you know the huge amounts of data we're collecting from mobile, social media, and you know, so forth. All those uh, and then the innovations within the theory of AI, back propagation, you know, from Hinton and some of these great academics uh, that have spent decades coming up with this stuff. So all that has just come, you know, come together in a very short period of time. Or just looking at Google, uh, open sourcing TensorFlow, making it all free, which is amazing. Um, there's just so many things, so many factors driving it, and I think that'll continue and it'll build on itself. And um, yeah, we're going to get there. I, I'm confident we will. The timing part is the is always the tough part. Yeah. So look, I think Alan Turing's um, definition is is on on spot on. I mean, if you can, you can talk to somebody for an hour and you don't know you're talking to a yeah. computer, that's pretty freaking good. Yeah. I don't I don't know about what how hard is it to build co or make coffee? We got computers that are making all kinds of stuff today. What what's the what's the uh, gap there is being yeah. able to walk into your house and get it done? <laughs> yeah. That's right. It's it's the it's the it's navigating in an unfamiliar environment and then detecting certain things, ingredients, systems and understanding how to work those systems. We we do it because we're just we're wired for that. We're good at that. Robots really aren't computer systems, you know, vision systems, all the things you would need. Nowhere near doing that at this point. I mean, we have robots that scrub floors and maybe can, you know, pick items in a warehouse. Uh, but even if you look at Amazon, you know, all, you know, they have some of the smartest engineers in the world with, with, and robots and in their robot centers, people, uh, people in there have to wear vests so the robots don't run into them and run them over. Um, so there's a lot to go. So, yeah. so I would say that it, we'll be able to brew coffee before we'll be able to talk to somebody for an hour and not figure out, uh, or not be able to tell that it's a person. We like IBM, we're doing some great stuff on mm -hmm. natural language query, mm -hmm. but when you start, and you were talking about this earlier, when you start talking to somebody and connecting the dots b between different subjects, naturally, that's the key. If I'm just asking a question on something, you know, we kill it. Yeah. But then when you start to say, you know, hey, look, I'm going to go to the park. You think I should take my dog? And if I can't tell that I'm talking to a, a computer, that would be amazing. Uh, yeah. And well, that's what's amazing is he thought about this in 1950. Think yes. about that. Yeah, that's amazing. That is amazing. Think about it. 
mean, I mean, Wozniak, you know, started thinking about this after the computer revolution. Uh, so yeah, I think Alan, uh, Turing is, is, is spot on. Like I said, I, I mean, that, that would be the Holy grail. If we get to that point, we're in a different world and there's probably gonna be some interesting social implications of that. Um, I have, and I'm not sure where, you know, what that could mean with jobs or how we relate to computers and so forth, but it'll, it'll be a huge game changer. You know, one question I often ask, I end these podcasts with the lightning round. And one question is, is who would you, if you had anybody you could go meet, and sometimes I put a, a context around it, but yeah. uh, anybody you could go meet about a certain subject, you know, who would it be? I presume if it was AI, uh, the person you'd like to go sit down with and have a cup of coffee, speaking of, would be yeah. Alan Turing. Yeah, yeah. John McCarthy would be another another person. Who was the other person? John McCarthy. He created the computer language list, created some of the early AI programs in the 1950s and 1960s, came up with the concept of the self-driving car, built some amazing robots. I mean, the guy I actually built some of the core technologies for the internet, the time sharing. Brilliant. So you can have two, both of them at the time. <laughs> That'd be a good conversation. Yeah. So when you're doing the studying, like, and you're writing your books, so how, how do you go, do you, do you go use TensorFlow? Do you start coding in Python so you can make sure that you know it end to end and, and, and you've got the education in the trenches as well as the overall strategy? Oh, I can definitely do that. For the book itself, um, there's no need to do that though. Um, there's just so much material already available. It's, it's more about organizing material at the level, the way I look at it, in a way that people can, can understand. Um, yeah, the, the, and that's why, like I said, in the, in the book is not for coding. It's to learn about approaches and strategies and ways to think about AI. So, you know, how, how should I implement AI in my company? When, and when did you say the book's coming out, just to remind me? It's uh, mid-August. Yeah. Mid-August. So it's coming around the corner. Yeah. Before I forget, where we're gonna, where are we going to be able to go get that? Uh, Amazon is probably the easiest place to get it. Um, you can pre-order it right now on Amazon. Put, uh, Artificial Intelligence Basics. It, just, it actually just uh, was listed over the weekend. So it may be at the bottom of the list just because it's just new. Uh, yeah. but well, speaking of, you've written about, you know, and you're talking about the need for skepticism when it comes to a lot of these moonshots with either robotics or AI. So the question is, is how, how, where's your mind at in terms of, you know, you're writing this book, you've written several articles, you've written a couple of books, several books. Uh, how, how do you think about the balance between these big, bold experiments that we're talking about and the slow incremental progress you're referencing? Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's good to push the boundaries. Definitely do that. Um, that's how, and it's good to, it's good to break things as Facebook said, uh, I believe in all that. Um, but I do think, uh, you have to understand where the technology is today and that having a, an Allen Turing machine is probably not realistic. Curing cancer is probably not in the cards anytime soon. I mean, there, there's certain areas it may happen. I mean, I, I, I love it. And sometimes there are breakthroughs and amazing things that happen. I just think uh, following technology for so long, you know, the, the early applications are just not that exciting. I mean, I mean, if you look at the early computer revolution, it was the Lotus spreadsheet. 
Now for an accountant, it's amazing. For average people, like it's kind of interesting, but but it, you know that's it's just a spreadsheet. So you know that's what really took off. Uh, I mean, I'll give you I'll give you a story. I mean, I was when I was writing a book, I was talking to a, a robot company called Honky Robots, and they they created uh, they create robots, uh, consumer robots that can be your friend, you can talk to them, and so forth. And, they're really trying to push the you know limits on AI and deep learning. It was really interesting. They sent me a robot. Got to take a look <laughs> at it, and uh, I wrote about three pages in the book about about them. They were funded by Andreessen Horowitz. And then uh, two weeks later, I'm just going through TechCrunch, and then I, I see a headline that says Anki Robots shuts down. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. I mean, it you know they're, they're really amazing. They're going for the fences, and then they fail. Uh, I may lose hundreds of millions of dollars in the process. I think we're going to see that. Uh, and I think it's probably more on robots than software. Software is a little easier because uh, you, don't have to, you don't have the components and the physical aspect to it. You might be able to get, you know, go farther on your money with a software-based AI than, uh, than robot AI. Um, they just, I mean, so make sure I understand. You're saying, so they basically shut down. They just, they quit the funding. They just stopped it. Yeah, that was it. Closed it down. So my robot doesn't work anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it just like it was over in the corner and just went. Mm. Yeah, yeah. There was another one where they they're called social robot, the Jibo. Yeah. And uh, they're supposed to, you know, help you through, you know, loneliness and something, you know, think you know, maybe a disease or something that you have. It's your friend, this little robot, and they went bankrupt too. Just imagine you're you're right, you've been attached to this little robot, and they've been helping you through all these things, and and then they, they run out of money and the robot dies because the server's down. They can't pay for the <laughs> Yeah, I got to tell you, I, I, that scares me. <laughs> I mean, because I, I, I have seen I have seen and read articles about, yeah, like the uh, robot dogs and stuff like that yeah. or, you know, social care, et cetera. But I just that's just creepy to me, man. I, I get a regular dog. Let, what, let's, <laughs> I hope it doesn't go that far. Come yeah. on. Yeah, I'm I'm. I'm a big optimist about technology. I still have two little dogs that are real dogs. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta have some sanity in all this. I think. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, and I do think some of the, uh, you know, I, I was in, in the Silicon. I go to Silicon Valley a lot. I was there last last week, and you know, people just get so sucked into the technology and they forget there's a real world out there. Oh man, that's what I worry about. That's the thing that scares me. I think it's augmented intelligence instead of artificial intelligence for a reason because i think for as many many years to come it'll be augmented i think mm -hmm. by the way there's some great stuff we're doing with cancer mm -hmm. i may be a little bit more optimistic than than you mm -hmm. uh you know curing cancer we're ways off there yeah. but in terms of diagnosing get in front of it taking action proactively that kind mm -hmm. of stuff it's amazing yeah. uh, this will sound te terrible but i'm waiting for you know i, I foresee a time where you know, in your bathroom, I won't go into detail, but you're going to have all kinds of different measurements and stuff like that that can be taken to know if anything's wrong with you in a second. Right. Uh, send it to the doctor. Pro doctor proactively comes back and says, hey, we saw something today that uh, is of concern. Get your get your rear end in here quickly. Right. I think we're going to see some of that, which is going to be amazing when once we get to that point. Yeah, like I said, I'm a complete optimist about technology. Love it. And I think those use cases will, will be enormously beneficial to society and uh I'm, I'm glad people are working on this and and that money is moving into those categories too i think uh 
can make a huge difference. Well, in any regard, sorry to hear about your pet robot. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I hope he gets another go at it, or yeah. she gets another go. I don't know if it was a he or she. I'll... I think it was kind of gender neutral, but yeah. All right. So, hey, thank you so much. Uh, I, I would like, um, well, real quick, you know, we, we already talked about your book. Get it on Amazon. Uh, it's in pre-order right now, I presume. That's what you said? Yeah. It also Where? says it's, it's, it's going to come out in November, but it'll come out mid, mid-August. Okay. So yeah. it, it'll come out earlier than it states. Yeah, that's right. Where can, outside of that, huh? uh, and we'll put that in the show notes just okay. as well, but where can people find more about what you're doing, what you're working on, what, yeah. where to, to read more about you? Yeah, so I have my own website, uh, T-A-U-L-L-I.com, uh, where I have, I repurposed my Forbes articles on there. So if you just want to read, you know, my AI Forbes articles, you can get them there. And then I have a Twitter account. Uh, it's at T-T-A-U-L-L-I. Uh, and you can contact me either through Twitter or through my Tully.com site. Fantastic. We'll put that also in the show notes. Hey, if you've got a few more minutes, I'd ask to, yeah. one of the, the, the favorites of the podcast is just some personal questions about you. We, you know, it's kind of relationship building. It's just, but you one to many. <laughs> and so I asked some crazy, some, some crazy questions, but, okay. uh, you know, they're, they're, I hope you're game, you're game. Sure. Yeah. All right. So the first thing is, is, What's the day in the life of, of Tom Tolley look like? Yeah. I mean, what time do you get up? How do you start writing? Because you're blogging and you're, you're investing, you're researching. I, it'd be interesting to know, you know, what does a standard day for you look like? Well, if I wake up, that's a good sign. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is a good sign. You're on the right <laughs> side of the grass that way. <laughs> that's right. That's always good. Uh, so I usually wake up at 6 a.m. Uh, primarily because I invest a lot. Uh, the market opens on the East Coast at uh, 9.30 west coast um so i wake up before the market opens um i usually have a big breakfast and this might sound weird i have raw vegetables and fruit and egg and egg uh every day um and uh i, I watch cnbc religiously during the morning see what's going on with the market and then i i always look at see what's going on in the world the technology i'll go to TechCrunch and or forbes or wall street well i love the wall street journal uh so the day really begins figuring out where, where, what, what's happened in the world. And then um, in terms of, you know, I'll usually be writing something. So I'll spend some time writing. And then there will usually be phone calls to different people, maybe uh, companies, different companies. And, uh, uh, you know, I might visit a company or work with a company uh, throughout the day. Go to the gym. I always try to get to the gym. Um, and then, um, you know, at night I'm probably doing more writing. I, I, I guess I work a lot. Um, but to me, it's not really work. I mean, it's just kind of, it's just fine. Um, it, it, I, would, I would do it regardless. And, uh, but I try to keep it balanced. You know, try to, you know, a bit of a healthy diet, um, exercise, not just completely work all the time. Especially as you get older, it, you know, I think that makes a huge difference. And, um, um, do you time box any of this stuff? Do you time box like you're writing and stuff? Do you say at one o'clock, I'm going to write till three uh, or do you just fill, fill the itch? That's a good question. Um, I usually do it based on words. So, you know, maybe a thousand words. If I could get a thousand words for the day, I feel pretty good. Um, so a thousand words a day. A thousand words. Yeah. And it adds up. 
he's, you know, that could be, a, that could be three or four books a year. Yeah, I, I do a lot of article writing, um, but, uh, you know, Stephen King, I think he does, I think he does 2,000 words, if I remember right. I mean, he writes big books. Um, and that's how he, does, that's how he looks at it too, is uh, number of words. So a thousand words a day. Now, is there how much of that do you toss away? I mean, I got to imagine when you're when you're focusing on words, eventually, you know, you may write something. I think it'd be it'd be good it'd be good just uh, to get that out of your mind one way or another. You know what I mean? It's just good uh, good hygiene, I guess. But do you throw a lot of that stuff away? I mean, well, with with the writing I do, um, nonfiction fiction I think would be a little different. Uh, but I think with fic- uh, nonfiction, although some people might think I am a fiction writer, but if, if, if it's <laughs> for nonfiction, you know, there's, there's research that goes into it. So there's a lot of time, you know, okay, I, I need to learn more about this category. I'll talk to people. There's a lot of information gathering. As I'm doing that, I'm formulating the organization, how to take that information and make it useful for people, practical, understandable for people. But, you know, most people don't have a lot of time to read. So if you can do it in a way they can get it really quickly, then I think you're you're ahead of the game. The writing part is a lot of times the fastest part of it. It's kind of like it's kind of like AI. The data part is, you know, all the information, getting all the information takes the time. The algorithm or the writing part of it is so fast. I mean, for me, I've done it for so long. I just kind of cruise through it. So I'll, I'll, I'll write it, you know, a thousand words I could probably do in half an hour. Wow, that's you know. pretty good. But I but I have all that research, so it's not that hard. But once I have, yeah, all- where do you get the research? Where are you re- I didn't hear anything yeah. in your thing about research. I see you yeah. watching TV. You're eating raw vegetables. <laughs> well, I am writing the Wall Street Journal, reading the articles throughout the day. And if I find a if I find a topic, I go to Google. You know, do a lot of research there. Talk to different companies. You know, interviews. All that that does take time. So if you if you look at the time it takes to write it, it's actually a lot of time, but the actual, for me, the actual physical writing, you know, writing the article itself is a lot kind of quick. Um, and, and then, you know, once I've written it, then I then I go over it again and I find out all my errors and things don't quite look right and I change and so there's a lot. There's editing I do and then the editors will, will edit you too. Mm-hmm. But the, the research is, well, it, takes most of the time yeah but do you i mean you do you have a a a a rhythm what i want to say a cadence like today i'm going to work on my book tomorrow i'm going to work on my uh, article for forbes today i'm just going to write to get some stuff out of my head you know how how does it yeah yeah so when i was writing the book um it it was over sixty thousand words so i was um i was trying to do a thousand words a day so I started the book early this year. Uh, actually, when did I start? I started it February, and it took a couple months. I had a thousand words, but I was just—I was spending a ton of time on it. Though. There was a lot of research, but the writing part was actually pretty quick. So, what's the what is it like? Uh, Ten to one research could be very easily, yeah. Especially with something, the other thing about AI too, when you write a book, um, you know, write an article is a little different, you know, because you can just focus on topics you like. When you write a book, a lot of times you have to talk, you know, look at it on topics you're not really interested in. 
but they have to be there because it would not it would not be a complete picture that was left out. Right. Um, so like I have robotic process automation. I actually think it's interesting, but for me that was that was important to have in the book. And if I didn't really like it, I'd still have to do it. So it forces you. And, and, and if you don't know a lot about the topic, then it might be twenty to one. Or Thirty to one. I mean, it could be a lot because you're 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 learning a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, whereas the history of AI was kind of it was fun. It was kind of a little easier because I knew a lot about some of these people anyway. So that was a little easier. Uh, robots are a little difficult because I, I haven't really done a lot of writing on um, a robot, so that took longer. Um, deep learning took a little took a while too. I'm not I'm not an expert in deep learning, and also. I don't want to make it so overly complicated for people that they just go somewhere else because it can get to the point where people just phase out. Um, so, you know, one, yeah. One thing this remi- you know, reminds me of a, a quote that I really love from Buffett, you know, speaking of our, our, our investing friend here, um, you know, because a lot of people ask him, well, how do you do it? He's just some genius or whatever. Yeah. And he says, you know, he, he does this quote, and most people balk at it. He says, I read 500 pages like this every day. Um, That's how knowledge works. It builds up like compound interest. All you got to do is do it, but I guarantee many of you won't. That's true. (laughs) And that's, I mean, the whole point of it is, yeah, he just, he spends his whole freaking time reading and researching, 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 researching. He's saying, you can do it. Yeah. It's not, it's not rocket science. You know, it could be rocket science, but anyway, but his point is, and you're right, most people won't do it. <laughs> it's kind of like your thousand, yeah, a thousand yeah. words sounds like a lot to me, but you do it. You get up, you make sure you get it done every day, and, and yeah. that's how you're successful. I think just like anything, if you do it long enough, it's, you know, it's kind of natural after a while. You build, I guess you build those muscles over time, just like Buffett with his analysis of stocks. And Gladwell is with the 10,000 hour rule or, you know, do something for 10,000 hours. Yeah. The 10,000, 10, what is it? 10 years for 10. I don't remember. What yeah. It was. Something like that. I believe that. I mean, after, after a while, you, you know, you, it, it just, it's just second nature. Um, early on it's tough, but when I was young, I, I was so motivated anyway. I just wanted to do it. I just, and I didn't know any else, any else way of doing it, but working at it and, Better. So how how do you define success then? Given what you're doing, you've got a lot of different things going on. How do you get up in the morning? You know, hey, I had a freaking great day yesterday, or I'm mm-hmm. killing it right now. How do you define success? Yeah. yeah, I think there's. I think you have to look at your your singles and doubles and home runs. Home runs, you know, far and few between, but when they happen, they're amazing. Uh, so I think you have to like the thousand words a day thing. You know, those are your singles or walks, um, they keep you going. Um, because when you look at a, writing a book, it does seem intimidating. It's like, oh, how am I going to do this? Um, and when I wrote my first book, that was the thing I was going through my head. I've never done this before. It seemed a little intimidating. So I just said, well, I'll just, I'll just pace it this way and just do it. And then, um, so, you know, I, I think as long as I'm kind of accomplishing my goals, I feel like I'm a success. Now, whether people respond to that, I can't. I can't control that, but I can control what I, what I work on, and um, that's that's kind of the way I look at it. But not to say that there's disappointment. I mean, you know, you know, sometimes you do put a lot. You know, it, it could be the case. I, I write. You know, I spent two, three months of my life on this book, and it goes nowhere. I've done that before, by the way. 
Um, and actually, spent- gotta, yeah, but they, I mean, that's that's a difference. I agree. You got to be willing to take that, and you got to yeah. know that hey, it could fail, but that's part of that's part of winning. Yeah, and I think when you're younger, it's different because you don't know what to expect, and if if your first shot out is a big failure, then it can be tough for the second one. Yeah. Um, but you just gotta keep going, and just you know. And, and the funny thing about the AI book is, uh, I didn't even. It was something that just I, I didn't really think about it. I mean, it, it just kind of happened. Um, uh, I had no intention of writing a book, and I just it just kind of fell into place for some reason. Uh, so sometimes those are, the, those are the best things. When you're not really overly thinking about it, um, it's, it's kind of when you have the best results. Just seems you know, like this seems like the thing to do. Just seems right. You're not really you know, overanalyzing it. So what, what inspires you, Tom? What, what gets you up in the morning? You know, I, I, you know, what's inspired, I, I'm almost like a lifelong learner. And, and, um, I, I, and some, I like to go out of my comfort zone too, learning different things, uh, different topics. So, yeah, I, I go to Udemy and, you know, courses on Udemy or, I'll, you know, when I buy a book, it's not always technology books. Um, and I, I think, uh, uh, you know, so I think that, I don't know if it's called, I don't know if it's inspiration, but it does, it does, ex, you know, expand my horizons and maybe think about different things that maybe I should be doing. Or, you know, I don't, I don't want to get too locked into a certain path either. Um, and um, I think we, we, mm-hmm. we tend to get a little too focused on, on what we do. So we'll say you had an imaginary friend. His name is Al. <laughs> and, uh, and you were saying, hey, I'm going to tell you how the best and the fastest and efficient way to learn mm-hmm. uh, uh, at an accelerated pace. Here's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. What, what would you give that imaginary friend named Al? And what would that advice be? Oh, to, to learn as fast as possible? Well, to learn, where do I where do you go to get the information oh. that you need? Because there's a ton of stuff out there. Right yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, uh, when, when I wrote my first book, 20 years, over 20 years ago, um, the internet was around, but Google didn't even exist. So a lot of my research is actually going to a library or... Uh, you know, I find some resources, resources on the internet, but a lot of it was traditional resources or talking to people. Um, you know, that has changed in the last 10 years with the, or 20 years with, with Google and all these online resources. So for me, a lot, a lot of information I get is on, is online. You know, I just simply just go to Google and look things up and that, that, and I just find, I mean, when, when Google came out, it was the most amazing thing. Yeah, but I think this time around, writing the book, probably the most helpful resource for me was YouTube. Um, I could go on YouTube and find researchers at Stanford on AI, you know, and they're talking about certain types of neural networks. And I mean, 10 years ago, I would have had to go to Stanford for that. Right. go to YouTube for free and get that information. So YouTube actually turned out to be a great resource. That's pretty good. I use it a lot too. I use it a lot too. You want to learn something. I'm visual. Yeah. uh, Yeah. It's really good to to see it in action. I'm with you. 
Yeah, no. All right, man. What's you're about to release this book? Yeah. What's next for you? <laughs> well, yeah, probably not a book. Uh, you know, I'll probably yeah, just kind of see this through, see how it goes. So it'd be kind of probably more the keeping up with uh, uh, the Forbes part of things. You know, the business part of things for me. In the back of my head, you know, maybe uh, be open to some new projects. But I'll probably be, those are the probably the areas I'll be focusing on. Now, one last do, when you uh, do your blogs, huh? do you do your blogs? I mean, how do you keep your blog separate from your book? Because you're thinking about mm -hmm. the same stuff. Yeah. And if you're writing a blog at the same time you're writing a book, right, yeah. do a lot of your stuff end up in some of the blogs? The blogs, I should say, end up in the books. Or how does that work? Mm -hmm. Or do you keep it distinct? Um, I, I keep them distinct. Uh, so if I get a quote from someone, I have quotes in my book as well as my, my Forbes articles. They're not going to be the same quotes. They'll be different quotes. It might be the same person, uh -huh. but they'll be different quotes. Um, and if, if I describe it one way in Forbes, I'm going to describe it a different way in the book. Now, it may be similar, um, but I don't I don't want it to be, I want it to be more, you know, something unique uh, not that you can just go and read my blogs and, oh, why do I need to write by your book? It's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get and it. you already, That's why I asked, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think the other advantage of the book is that it it's I, there's topics in the book I cover I, I have yet to cover in Forbes. There's a lot of topics actually. Um, well, it goes back to you bridging the gap. You, you like you yeah. were talking about earlier, things you don't even really sometimes you don't find interest, but you got to have you got to have that bridge to make it a complete story. Exactly. So, I when I when I write, I'm I'm trying to think about you know who the reader is from the reader standpoint. And uh, they don't, again, they don't have a lot of time. They're probably not very technical and they want some practical advice. So if I can do that, I'm probably going to be successful. Um, and I know there's a lot of people, because I talk, I, there are people out there who are involved in these AI projects or AI initiatives and they really don't know what's going on and they want to know. Uh, and if they could have, a, and they, they don't necessarily want a book that they read through. It could be a book that they can just has a handbook and when a topic comes up and they're just not quite sure what's going on, maybe they can just go to that chapter and, and learn about it and, and help them. Fair enough. Hey, I will end there, Tom. You've been a great guest. I've learned a lot. Again, easy to, easy to talk to. Uh, I can tell you I will, will be one signing up for that book and also oh, following great. you on, on Twitter. So uh, uh, look for me. I, I will be out there. You've got a fan. Awesome. Well, you got. I'm a fan too, and I will be a religious <laughs> listener of your podcast. All right, fantastic. And any ideas that you have, or you want to come back on, we'd love to have you because you got a lot of good ideas. We only scratched the surface, and yeah. I know you've got. Look, if anybody's been out to your website, you've got a ton of different blogs and a ton of information about deep learning, AI, etc. It's all good stuff. Awesome. Well, thanks very much for all having right. me. It's well, thank you. you. You've been you've been a terrific guest. I, again, I've learned a lot. And uh, again, can't thank you enough for taking this amount of time out of your day. I, I'm taking away from all your writing. <laughs> and okay. research. I've already done my thousand for the day. <laughs> Where are you going now? You're going to go work out or are you going to get back in back into research mode? Oh, no, I'm at the, in the office the company I work with. Um, so after this, I'll probably be in another meeting. Yeah. So you're no. back into another meeting. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And sure. for the listeners out there, until next time, uh, I'll see you on the podcast. See you. Thanks for listening to the Making Data Simple podcast, where we make data fun.
bigdatahub.com forward slash podcasts to access the show notes and uncover even more great episodes. Remember, the views expressed here are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily represent the views of IBM. Until next time, over and out. Thank you.